Well, I don't have to tell you that it's been a couple of really difficult weeks here in our nation. It felt like COVID-19 was just being weaponized and starting to polarize us largely along political lines. When we got hit by what felt like the consecutive murders of two unarmed black men, Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia and then George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And as you can imagine, there was outrage and there was outcry, particularly in the minority community who felt like here was another example of a justice system disproportionately tilted against us. And that episode exposed what I can only describe as fault lines, fault lines in the very foundation of our nation. But before the minority communities, and not just the minority communities, but also its, its truest allies had, had a moment to express grief and express sorrow or express anger, that was interrupted by the outbursts of many who just lashed out and left cities around the country burned to the ground. And that exposed further fault lines, further divisions. And yes, I said exposed, not created. Come on. We know that no fault lines, no division was created in the last number of weeks. They've just been exposed. They are age old, exposed, and not just exposed, but I think widened as we deeply disagree about where the fault actually lies. And if you ask me, I believe the devil is having a field day with our outrage. And I'd be curious to know what you are most outraged about. Because some of us are outraged about systemic injustice. And, and some of us are outraged against law enforcement. And some of us are outraged about white people. And some of us are outraged about Black Lives Matter. Some of us are outraged by what we perceive to be thugs burning down our cities. And some of us are outraged by, by what feels like the minority's inability to even grieve before they have to defend their grief. And some of us are outraged by what seem to be instigating statements coming from our president. And others are outraged by what seems to be the silence of the church. I don't have to tell you we are in volatile and divisive times. But I cannot help but believe we have in front of us a moment. I cannot help but believe we have a moment in which heaven and history are watching and are noting our response. And the question is, how will the church show up? What will the church say? What will the church do? Where will the church stand? How will we choose to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? How will we choose to be his love 
and to show his light in a season of despair and division and darkness because history and heaven are both watching us. And so for the next number of weeks, we want to process this together. And yeah, I say a number of weeks because I don't know exactly how many weeks it is. Um, what I do know is I do not want us to be a movement that moves on. I do not want us to be a movement that treats this like a trend. And as soon as the headlines shift, we move on to the more shiny and more interesting thing because heaven and history are watching and dialing into what the church of Jesus Christ is going to do. So we want to start with a simple and yet crucial question. What matters most to God in all of this? Because for the church of Jesus Christ, what matters most to God should matter most to us. What matters most to God? in a season like this. I want to show you a passage of scripture in the book of Revelation. And this is an awesome passage of scripture because here's the thing. Right now, there is division and, and right now there is despair and right now fault lines are widening, but things will not always be that way. There is coming a day when every division and every discrimination is going to be completely eradicated and every fault line is going to be completely filled in. This is not how the story ends. And the reason I know that is because I actually have an article from the future. Oh, this is so awesome. The book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, is a book in which Jesus Christ miraculously allows one of his followers, a man named John, to see actual real events from the future and write them down for us too. See, this is awesome. Jesus shows John glimpse after glimpse after glimpse of things that not just might happen, but things that must and will happen in the future. Talk about back to the future. Here's what Jesus says is going to happen through John. This is Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. John is now speaking, and he says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, who is Jesus himself. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Come on, somebody. This chaos we are experiencing now is not how the story 
ends, John gets to see a glorious picture of where all history is going. And as we wrestle about how the church ought to show up in this season, I just want to make a few observations from this section of Scripture. Here's the first one. God is passionate about diversity. God is passionate about diversity. I don't know if you knew that, but if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, your father in heaven is not casual. He is crazy passionate about diversity. If you know a God who is not fired up by different kinds of people from different kinds of backgrounds with different kinds of color, then I'm telling you, you do not know the God of the Bible. I'm sorry to say that. I don't know if you saw this as we read this passage of Scripture. John sees a sea of faces that he says they're too numerous to count. I couldn't tell you how many people I saw in this vision. But one thing was clear to me. Diversity. It was a crowd made up of people from every conceivable background and race and color and ethnicity and culture and people group. Diversity. This is powerful. The thing that God wanted John to see around that throne was variety, diversity, because I don't know if you knew, but God is passionate about diversity. Think about it. One of the perks of being God is that you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. So think about this. With all the infinite options at God's disposal, with all of the things he could have done with human history, his omniscient mind landed on this. I want a collection of people from every conceivable background brought together around the throne of my son, Jesus Christ. As God was storyboarding history, in that pre-planning meeting, this is what he landed on. You know what I want? You know where I want to take everything to this glorious place where there are a bunch of people from every imaginable and conceivable background with every imaginable color gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ. Yep, that's it. That's what's going to make me happiest. That's what's going to show off my glory the most. A bunch of different kinds of people from every color and culture and class gathered as one family around his throne. God is passionate about diversity. He doesn't tolerate diversity. He insists on diversity. Well, how do we know that? 
Um, because again, John is not seeing a picture of what might happen. <laughs> John is seeing a picture of what must and will happen, which means with every ounce of his omnipotent strength, God is flexing his muscle to make sure this glorious picture becomes a reality. He is using every ounce of his strength to ensure that there will be people from every tribe and every color and every background gathered around his throne. God is passionate about diversity. But, but we see something else in this passage. God isn't just passionate about diversity. God is passionate about unity. God isn't just passionate about the differences and the variety. God is passionate about those differences being brought together in equality and brought together in embrace. How do we know that? Well, a couple of things I noticed. Number one, I don't know if you noticed, but I noticed the outfits. I don't know who the fashion consultant was, but everybody is wearing these white robes, these white robes, that is, that is so awesome as you understand what the significance of this means. This is a picture of I'm no better than you and you're no better than me. The white robes are pictures of a movement of people who've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of having been cleansed from our sin. What a powerful thing. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. The same blood that cleansed me in my blackness cleansed you in your whiteness. The same sin that needed forgiveness, that lived in me, lived in you. I can be no better than you because we needed and have now experienced the same forgiveness symbolized by these white robes. But I noticed not just the outfits, I also noticed the, the, the outcry. It says they raise one voice. They raise one cry to the person of Jesus Christ. Together they celebrate salvation belongs to our God. Not different voices, but all voices brought together into one. Another picture of equality. Another picture of incredible Unity With all that God could have done, he chose that. A bunch of different kinds of people from every color and culture and class gathered around his throne in equality and embrace. Listen to me, church. If you've ever wanted to know what God wanted most, this is it. With all that he could have done to bring himself glory, he brought together diverse people in equality and in embrace. God is passionate about diversity and unity, and his glory is wrapped up 
in those things. If that is true, let me ask, what do you imagine would bring the devil the greatest amount of delight? Discrimination, division. Discrimination, division. Let's go after the very thing God is most passionate about by getting people from different cultures and backgrounds and colors and ethnicities to discriminate against each other and to create these fault lines that divide them and have them on opposing sides. If we can get that done, we can blur the glory of God and we can go right at his very heart. What do you think the devil would delight in the most? Come on, somebody. We are not unaware of his schemes. And so our response to the racial tension and division in this nation matters. History and heaven are watching, and the enemy is working in overdrive to try and undo what God is most passionate about. So, here's where we want to stand as a church. We want to make a number of declarations in light of our Father's passion. If we want to be passionate about what God is passionate about, then we want to make a number of declarations. Number one, we will make no room for discrimination. Come on, the church of Jesus Christ ought to make this a declaration. We will make no room for discrimination. Because come on, if there is any color or culture or any ethnicity or any language or any kind of person that you think about or talk about or treat as less valuable than you, please hear me. You are on the wrong side of God's passion. You are on the wrong side of God's glory. Racial discrimination in any form flies in the face of what matters most to God. Come on, somebody type amen into the comments and don't be a butthead. Come on, you know the church is doing this a lot. Like, yeah, we agree, but there are no buts about this. Racial discrimination in any form flies in the face of what matters most to God. And history and heaven are watching how the church enters in and the way we choose to respond. It doesn't matter if you're black or if you're white. This is speaking to you. You ought to make that declaration. It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic or Asian. You ought to make that declaration. There is no room for discrimination. 
Number two, there is no room for dilution. That might seem like an interesting one, but I read this passage and that struck me. God is passionate about diversity. God is passionate about variety. Do not insult him by talking about cultural or color blindness. Come on, you think God went through all of the creative work of creating diversity and variety so that we would downplay it, so we wouldn't see it? No, God did it so that we would celebrate it. Come on, somebody, I am chocolate and I am beautiful. Thank you very much. My wife is vanilla and she is glorious. Two of my kids are caramel and they glow those children of mine. God loves diversity. He loves variety. He, he, he doesn't love sameness. Otherwise, he would have created us that way or maybe created a bunch of different heavens, one for this color and one for, for that color. But he loves variety. Sameness is kind of boring to him. Listen to me. Our God is passionate about diversity and we as a church, we ought to celebrate diversity more loudly than anybody else. Matter of fact, if I see someone who looks different than I do, I should be like, ooh, yes, you did it again, Lord. Look at that. Yes, you did it again in your creative brilliance. You created us different from each other by design by design, not by some kind of an evolutionary default. God loves human variety, and the church should be loud about that. I know it's tempting to feel like there's something beautiful about saying we're all the same, and I just don't see color, but that is an insult to God, and I think we miss the beauty in each other's experiences. We miss the beauty in each other's design. We will make no room for downplaying or diluting his diversity. Number three, we will make no room for indifference. If you've been around Mission Point for a while, you've heard us say this. We cannot afford to be passive with things that God is passionate about. We cannot afford to be casual with things that our God is passionate about if, if you say, I don't have a problem with, with that race, but you don't actively fight for their equality, you are being indifferent and you are being passive. Remember, our God is passionate for diversity and he is actively working to move all of history towards equality, towards embrace, towards unity. If you say, I have no problem with it, but you don't do anything 
to speak against inequality, to speak against injustice, to speak against a justice system that's disproportionately tilted against certain people. You are missing the active and passionate heart of God. You are being casual, and we cannot be casual when history is noting what we're doing and when heaven is taking note of the way the church is responding. If you say, I have no problem with these different kinds of people, but you've never taken a step to pursue, to move towards unity, to say, oh my goodness, I want to know your story a little bit. I want to know a little bit about what your experience is like. We may be missing the heart of our God. I believe God moved heaven and earth in order to redeem people who were not like him and in order to bring people who are not like each other together. That was not passive, it was active. And we are most like our Father when we are active in bringing about equality and bringing about unity with passion, y'all. And as a church, we've got to declare there is no room for indifference. There is no room for me to say, well, I don't know much about it, so therefore, it's not my thing. No, there should be an active pursuit and movement towards anything we can do to bring about equality and to bring about unity. God wants his church to actively join him in his quest for equality. I believe we have a moment, and I believe there is an invitation before us from heaven itself in which God is calling his church out, join me in my quest, join me in my passionate quest. And the question is, will we RSVP? The question is, will we respond to him in this Season. Come on, you see a white person being mistreated, you cannot stay quiet. You cannot stay out of it, regardless of what your race is. Otherwise, you are on the wrong side of God's passion. You see a justice system tilted against black people, you cannot say, well, I've never experienced that. Or it doesn't affect me. You are on the wrong side of God's active passion. And when heaven pulls out the notes and when history writes about us, I promise you, you do not want our season, our window to be described as indifference. I don't know about you, but I want to be actively, passionately accepting God's invitation to join him in his quest for justice and equality and unity. The question is, do you accept? So 
we as a church, we want to wrestle through this, and it's going to be messy, and people are going to say what they're going to say, which is often the reason we think indifference is acceptable, because if I say this, I may end up on the wrong side of this person, on the wrong side of my family, or the wrong side of this political aisle. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you end up on the right side of everybody and on the wrong side of God's passion. It will not matter. Pick the right side. Partner with God in his quest for equality. Partner with God in his passion for unity, his passion for justice. And we want to wrestle through what does this look like? What do conversations look like? How do I talk to my kids and tell them it is never okay? How do we get in the way of some of our own family members and say, listen, I know you've used these slurs for years and years and years, but no more. There is no room for discrimination. No more. What does that look like? What does it look like for us to vote our voices and say we will not get behind any system or any justice movement that is disproportionately tilted against any people group? What does that look like for the church to enter in? Because I think we have an invitation, and I think this is a moment, and we cannot afford to just move on from it. So yeah, this is messy, and, and yeah, there's no conclusion, but I want us to at least start to make some key declarations that we can build from. Our Father is passionate about diversity. Our Father is passionate about unity. And we want to be passionate about what God is passionate about. We want what matters most to him to matter most to us, no matter what it costs. So, Father, I pray. I don't even know... Uh, what to say so often. Uh, I feel so wounded and, and so hurt and, and so confused and so, so angry and so uncertain. And I pray that in the midst of all of those things, that I will still say yes to your invitation to partner with you in unity, to partner with you in justice, to partner with you in equality. I pray that you'd move in our church and move in the churches around this country to realize revival is at hand, and it's not going to come through the government. It's going to come through your people who are partnering with their God. Help us to see this moment for what it is. We do not want to come back to this same place over and over again. So awaken us to what's happening right now and what you're calling us to right now. Help us not to miss it. For the sake of Jesus and for the sake of our brothers and sisters, around this country and around the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.